expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the top news stories from around the island over the past seven days. I'm Keith Manconi of ICRT News. Joining me in studio today is Gavin Phipps, also of ICRT News. Gavin. Yeah, hello. And by phone, we've got ICRT correspondent Michael Smith down in Kaohsiung. Michael. Hey, happy to be here. Today on the show, we've got more Taipei Dome drama political turmoil in Tainan, and a quick preview of this weekend's Golden Melody Awards. But first, lots of news on the presidential campaign trail this week. On the DPP side, of course, party head Tsai Ing-wen made it to the cover of Time Magazine's Asia edition. Got a lot of people talking this week. Uh, They were mostly talking about the photo the magazine used more than anything else uh, content-wise. But I think the real action this week was on the KMT side of things. And we're going to start with the most recent headline grabbers. Uh, There's been two sets of accusations that Hong has faced this week, both of which she's responded to with lawsuits, or at least the threat of lawsuits. Uh, So this is definitely shaping up to be a rough campaign already. Uh, Gavin, let's get to these accusations. One of them involves Hong's master's degrees and the other her father. So getting pretty personal here. Uh, Tell us uh, what these accusations are and uh, where they're coming from. Right. Well, Hong Shou Chu, of course, is the possible KMT candidate for the next year's general election. And she's f- thinking about filing lawsuits against Winsen Tsai, who's a TV pundit, Clara Cho, who's a TV pundit, and five Next Magazine employees. And those magazine employees include the publication's general manager and its editor-in-chief. Now, the Next Magazine made claims that her master's degree, which apparently it was a master's degree in education, and she received it from the Northeast Missouri University in 1991. Well, Next Magazine claimed it was fake. She shot back and said, no, it's not fake. And then all her supporters this week have gradually been coming out and saying, no, it's real. We've checked with the university. So apparently the degree is real. Now, moving on to Hong's father, well, Clara Cho and this Winsen Tsai have both alleged that Hong's father was a KMT informant during the White Terror era in the early 1950s. She has got very angry about this and basically shot back earlier this week and said she will not tolerate any slandering of her late father's reputation. And Hong has long described her father as being a victim of the White Terror era rather than one of its accomplices and a person who was working for the government at the time. So, right. So that would really uh, go against the narrative of her own family history that she's been presenting. And so now she's uh, threatening a lawsuit. Several lawsuits. Well, I mean, she is known. Uh, what is her nickname, Gavin? The uh, little, it's not exactly uh, flattering or uh, perhaps re- even respectful, but she has been known for quite a while as like the little fiery pepper. Uh, Chili pepper, yeah. Right. So that kind of gives us a sense of those two stories, uh, kind of the nuts and bolts. Uh, but before we get into more of the analysis end of things, uh, what this might all mean for the campaign, let's talk about uh, another big question that's been kind of floating over her campaign for the past week or so. Will Speaker Hong go to the U.S.? Uh, she's repeatedly said, probably not, uh, citing a tight schedule. Uh, she also said somewhat less diplomatically that to do so would be like taking a test. Uh, basically, what she's saying here is it would be as though uh, she has to jump through hoops to gain U.S. approval. 
Uh, but it does seem like the party center does really want her to go. Uh, so what do we think is behind her reluctance? Well, uh, as we as we all know, uh, her uh, likely contender, uh, Tsai Ing-wen, has made a trip to the States that was viewed with, you know, a degree of favorability by most people, I would say. She at least didn't didn't do any major stumbling or anything. So it's been a tradition over the over the years for presidential candidates to go and visit the states before the campaign begins and obviously before anybody becomes president because after that point it becomes much more complicated. And America, uh, just yesterday, uh, representatives have welcomed Hong. If she wanted to visit, they said she's welcome to do so. So I think what she is trying to say and what she means by this as, as sort of a test is she doesn't want to be thrust into this spotlight and be compared to Tsai and all the rest of it while she's still dealing with a lot of other issues on the ground here at home, you know, her cam- her campaign is she has a headquarters open, but it really isn't all that finalized. Uh, Gavin, I mean, there's even the possibility that uh, somebody else might jump in here, somebody who uh, seems to run in pretty much every election. Well, uh, James Sung has talked about running, but not for the KMT, of course. Right. He's he's going to come out. But, of course, the KMT has yet to finalise her candidacy, but I'm pretty sure we can say that she will run for the KMT, there being really no one else who's put their hand up. That's really true, although uh, down here in the south, uh, some, are, some political pundits of well on television have made comments where they, they're, they're having a hard time believing that this is really actually happening because she seems like a throwback in some ways to an era from before the Ma Ying-jeou uh, era and just a sort of almost like, um, I don't know if many people remember it, but the new party sprung up in Taiwan in the early 90s and they were like a revisionist, go back to the basics KMT. And for a while they did pretty well. They had Hao Longbing as one of their members who later became Taipei mayor. But then it sort of just uh, withered away and because they didn't, managed to like uh, inspire the electorate or present some sort of forward thinking policies and the rest so she in some ways to the people down here in the south or at least to many of them she seems like a bit of a throwback to that era and when you look at the polls uh, some of them you know said she was running neck and neck and whatever but the polls from down here show a pretty hefty slant in the direction of the DPP and Tsai in particular. So some people are really shaking their heads saying, is, is this really happening? Well, of course, her, her, she, there is concern that she has a more pro-unificationist sort of policy, of course. Right. She's made it very clear that what she wants is one China with the same interpretation. And so, of course, uh, the DPP a little bit cheekily got back to her and was like, well, what does that mean exactly? She says she wants the PRC to recognize the existence of the Republic of China. And I, I, unless you uh, disagree with me, Gavin, I just don't see any of those ideas or suggestions being even slightly realistic in the near term. No, I think the party chairman Eric Chu is going to be very busy in the coming months, making sure that her policies are in line with the KMTs. Right. And uh, the, I think the take home points that a lot of people took away from uh, the news this week is that there is not a uh, very good communication between Speaker Hong and the rest of the party. Uh, we've been hearing different things uh, from both of those two segments about uh, the U.S. trip uh, for the last week and a half or so. So, uh, you know, getting a united front on this point uh, might be kind of difficult. But uh, we're going to have to leave that whole fracas for a moment. Uh, That's a look at the national political campaign trail. But there's a lot of interesting local races shaping up as well and a lot of predictions that the KMT may be set to lose more legislative seats next year. But the party is making plans to fight that trend and it's looking to some surprising districts to make it stand. Michael, could you tell us about that? 
Yeah, well, it was interesting last week that uh, this is, again, still I'm considering doing this, but the party and the former mayor uh, of Taipei, Hao Longbing, they both said that they are considering uh, nominating Hao, uh, Hao to run in Tainan, in one of the districts of Tainan, so that they can get a little bit of a, a toehold in the south. And the DPP is actually planning a very strong counterattack, and they're hoping to be able to sweep the South entirely this time, including all of Kaohsiung's seats. Uh, currently, I believe the KMT has one or two, but they want all of them. And they also want to maintain a, a dominance in Tainan. So how long being, if he did run in this area, it's not completely insane because there are a lot of civil servants, there's military personnel in this particular district. And the last election around, the uh, DPP candidate only won by about 13,000 votes. So it's possible that he could help pull at least some of the vote in that direction. Whether he has a chance of winning or not is completely uh, a separate issue and uh, very hard to predict. But we also have the emergence of this uh, smaller party called the New People, uh, New Power Party. Uh, the, one of the main guys is Freddie Lim from the band, uh, the death metal band, uh, Clotonic, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And they're also trying to win a few seats. The DPP has actually seeded a few races saying, go ahead and run your candidate, the NPP, and we won't run anyone. And hopefully you'll have a better chance of defeating the KMT candidate in uh, certain districts of Taipei. So there is some uh, cooperation between those two parties, and we are seeing the emergence of this this new group. So it's going to be very interesting, yes. Uh, all right, so I uh, want to stay down in Tainan for a second, but move over to another story that's been kind of simmering in the background of local politics pretty much this whole year, and that is the ongoing standoff between Mayor William Lai and the city council. Uh, well, it looks like it's just going to keep going as uh, the Control UN is backing off of a possible investigation into Mayor Lai, who has been refusing to attend council meetings. Now, this has been going on for a long time, but oddly, uh, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about it on the show uh, until now. So, Michael, uh, help us out. Uh, give us a little bit of the context here, and what is this latest development? All right, well, yeah, like you said, it's been literally going on since since late last year when the election took place. Uh, the uh, What was it? November 29th, I believe, was the election. So he got elected, this uh, speaker, Mr. Lee, Lee Chun Jiao, he got elected as speaker on December 25th of last year. And he first became a council member before that. And he's now been uh, accused and indicted at least for vote buying in the speaker's race. And he's under suspicion for also vote buying for his original city council seat that he had in the first place. So he was picked up at an airport in Tainan as he prepared to, uh, in his uh, view, make a trip to China and in other people's view, flee to China. He was picked up on February 9th and he was detained for a while as prosecutors looked into it and built up their case. He was bailed out in April on 15 million uh, NT of bail, which, uh, if my math is correct, is almost half a million US dollars, so that's quite high. And uh, it's alleged that he paid out from 300,000 to up to 10 million for different votes so that he could become uh, the, the speaker of the Tainan uh, uh, City Council, which is quite bizarre because they have 57 seats, 28 of them are held by the DPP, 16 are held by the KMT. So how is it that a KMT uh, nominee would be the person chosen to be the speaker of a overwhelmingly green um, city council? So after fall, uh, all of this came to light, the mayor... Pretty much in early January, he began saying, I'm not going to attend city council meetings until the situation is uh, settled, until we remove this person or he's exonerated or he goes to trial or the rest of it. And he started a boycott that has 
continued and uh, continues to this day. And as you said earlier, the control yuan, which is one of the bodies that looks over other political bodies in Taiwan, uh, in Taipei, has said that this is a local matter and we're not going to get into this, uh, the boycott issue. The city council censured the mayor um, kind of half-heartedly and said, you know, we want you to show up. The mayor said, well, come and visit me in my office. Come and make an appointment. I'm not uh, I'm here. You know, I'm available for business, but I'm not going to attend a meeting with this person standing in front of me. He called it a disgrace to Taiwan, a disgrace to Tainan. And he has steadfastly refused to attend council meetings. And here we are in late June, and the situation continues. I believe the KMT have even washed their hands of Mr. Lee, haven't they? Um, it appears that way, yeah, because, I mean, there's a, there's a pretty decent preponderance of, of evidence. They have, you know, um, cell phone records. They've got 100 witnesses, they claim. They've got this and that. And the interesting thing is that I cannot find in any of the documents that I've been researching on this subject, I can't find any trial date. It's still to be announced. So he's bailed out. His trial date is unknown. He's still the speaker. And nobody really knows what to do with this character. You can't force him out necessarily. It's, it's, it's a stalemate in every sense of the word. And I guess the take-home from this week is one of the main things that could have ended that stalemate is now off the table. The uh, central government isn't going to get involved. So something that uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more of over the next uh, couple of weeks and months uh, gives us more stuff to talk about. So that's always good for us. But for now, we're going to have to leave it. Uh, It's time to take a quick break. Uh, Let you guys rest up from all the political fracas for more political fracas. Well, and some entertainment stuff, too. That's in a minute. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Taiwan This Week, ICRT's weekly roundup of news from around the island. And so far today, we've looked at national political controversies. We've looked at political controversies in Tainan. Now for something completely different. We're moving to a political controversy in Taipei. And the big one this week was the Taipei Dome. Apparently, the uncertainty surrounding it has finally gotten to be too much for Mayor Kowenja, who this week announced that the 2017 Universiad's opening and closing ceremonies will not be held uh, at the still-under-construction dome, as originally planned, uh, but will instead be moved to the very much completed Taipei Municipal Stadium. Uh, The city's decision uh, to switch venues came earlier this week, after the first round of arbitration talks between the Taipei city government and Far Glory fell apart at the last minute. Well, the talks really didn't get off the ground, did they? Because, of course, the arbitrator, the person that was employed by Far Glory to go and talk to the city government, he simply resigned. He didn't turn up for work the morning he should have gone to the meeting. He right. Just, he didn't tell anyone. He just probably sat at home, watched the TV, <laughs> and said, I don't want anything to do with this at all. And, and Gavin, is construction still halted at this moment as we speak? Or is it still nothing's happening there? No, they're, they're doing some small things. Okay. Because uh, there's like worries about the foundation. They, they, they say that it would be dangerous to stop completely. Uh, so that's still going a little bit. We don't even know what's behind this guy's decision. Uh, he has it. We haven't heard any any statement on that on that ground, Gavin. No, he hasn't said anything. I think he just went. This is a really bad job. I'm going to do another <laughs> job instead. I'm going to just take up fishing. It's just easier. <laughs> Better for the nerves. Uh, and so, uh, where does this leave the dispute? Is this? Is this uh, I this, mean, there's lawsuits that are being talked about. It's just a total mess at this point. This leaves the dispute where it has been for the past several months, basically hanging in midair. 
because the Ministry of Justice, of course, rejected the Taipei City Government established the Clean Government Committee under Mayor Kerr. And the Clean Government Committee decided to give the case of the Taipei Dome and all the irregularities that it claims have taken place to the Ministry of Justice. And, of course, like you said, the Ministry of Justice this week said, oh, we don't want to do anything to do with that. We want that's too much of a hot potato. We'll just give it back to the city government to deal with. But, of course, the city government and Far Glory can't deal with anything because the arbitrator has gone AWOL. Uh, and so looking forward to uh, 2017, does this put Taipei's bid for the, for the university ad for those, uh, for those games into jeopardy? Well, they don't know because then it now has to go to the sporting body which governs the university ad, which is the student games, to say yay or nay whether they will allow them to move the opening and closing ceremonies or they'll be forced to do it in the Taipei Dome anyway. Because apparently it was part of the contract they signed. It was part of the contract and yeah. it has more seats. I think it's about 20,000 fewer seats that is at the uh, municipal stadium. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I like the municipal stadium. It's in a nice place and it's very light and airy and sunny. <laughs> so Gavin wins no matter what. <laughs> so we know Gavin's preference. Well, you know, also, uh, Keith, the big businesses or the people who are involved in, in some of these big conglomerates in Taiwan, they're making a lot of noise about this uh, whole situation. And their argument is if businesses sign contracts with governments and they've made deals and then the government changes this and backs out, you're reducing consumer confidence in Taiwan in general, the, the brand of Taiwan, you might say. And then you have the other side, the activists who are saying it's high time that the government stood up to these large corporations and stopped uh, making deals that are not advantageous for local citizens. Citizens. So it's a, you know, a bigger picture is this fight between business and government. And they're going to have to come to some sort of uh, agreement because obviously both sides need each other. Right. And as on a similar note, we uh, heard from former Taipei Mayor Hao Longbin this week, uh, a fair amount of cris- criticism of uh, current Mayor Ko Wenjia. Uh, of course, former Mayor Hao isn't exactly a uh, disinterested observer, but uh, what Hao is saying is that, uh, you know, Mayor Ka's actions is going to kind of scare away the private sector from wanting to work with the city government, uh, and uh, we might not see any more of these build-operate-transfer projects in the future. Well, that's what businesses all over the world argue every time there's some sort of, you know, labor dispute or all the rest of it. They Companies obviously want a free hand to be able to do what, what they want to do, and uh, it is, it's, it's a tug-of-war between the two sides. Uh, the people who support Mayor Ka feel that... For the first time in Taipei's history, they finally have a representative who is standing up and actually making huge decisions based on safety, based on uh, money, based on things that are advantageous for the people of his city. So his supporters feel that this is you know, high time. And like you said, the people on the other side are saying, well, what about uh, the, the whole you know, business climate? So a, a very, very, uh, again, today seems to be stalemate. Stalemate and uh, long-going disputes. Uh, so, but, he's not, but he's not hot. <laughs> he's not hot under the collar because, of course, the mayor was photographed this week going to the office in a short sleeve shirt and a pair of shorts. Right. That's actually been a platform of, of his is yeah, that yeah. people, you could save money on air conditioning by having people wear casual clothes. Yeah, sort of like. Yeah, he says there's no reason that people <laughs> at, uh, you know, the Taipei uh, government offices should be wearing suits and sitting in air conditioned rooms at 23 degrees, right? That's actually quite logical if you ask me. <laughs> I would not argue against that policy for a second. Um, I showed up to flip flops in flip flops. 
flip-flops sometimes. I see no problem That's there. That's too far. That's too far? <laughs> you can't get the office in a pair of flip-flops. You, you, you'd be welcome down in the far. South, though. We're, we're happy with flip-flops. All right. Well, uh, we're going to have to leave uh, the political controversy and the controversy over my office attire behind for now. Uh, because last up today, we're talking about the Golden Melody Awards. That is Taiwan's premier music awards ceremony, which is kicking off tomorrow at the Taipei Arena. Lots of big acts are going to be performing, and lots of big acts will be up for awards. Uh, Gavin, what is, uh, what's going to be expected? Well, it's the 26 Golden Melody Awards, if you actually want to know. Of course, it's not quite as big as it used to be, due to the fact that the Mandarin Music Centre is now in China rather than here. But, I mean, Jolene Tsai, of course, she's from Taiwan, and her album Play is leading the nominees with nine nominations this year, including that of Best Mandarin Album. And her album also garnered nods in the categories of Best Song of the Year, Best Music Video, Best Single Producer, Best Album Packaging, and also the newly established category of Best Album Recording. Quite what the difference between Best Album Recording is and Best Song of the Year is, I have no idea because they basically <laughs> sound the same to me. Yeah, I'm completely but lost. But poor old Jolene, she lost out in the category of Best Mandarin Female Singer, and that will be contended by Taiwan's Armei, Lala Shu, Wa Wei, Ah Lin, and of course the mainstay for the last nearly 20 years at the Golden Melody Awards, Karen Mok from Hong Kong. I could continue with these nominations if you like, Keith, or should I shut up? Uh, well, I, uh, folks that really want to know, I'm sure they can tune in tomorrow to see all the action. Uh, it will be broadcast, definitely. It will be broadcast, in fact, on Taiwan Television Enterprise, for anybody who's interested. But one interesting thing is, we were talking about Freddie Lin earlier, or Freddie Lim, whatever you want to call him, from the band Cathonic. Right. Cathonic are actually up for an award in the best band category. No way. And they, they actually won one, of course, many years ago uh-huh. when Chen Shui-bian was president and he actually gave them the award at the ceremony. So he's winning on the music front and the political front. You can't stop this guy. Well, he, he said uh, yesterday he plans to run for the district of Wanghua and Zhongzhen, uh, Zhongzhen in Taipei. So, uh, yeah, perhaps he is on a roll here. We are getting sucked back into politics rather dangerously. <laughs> uh, what, about the, what about the acts that are going to be performing there? I believe Sandy Lamb is going to be performing, Eason Chan, Show Luo. Harlem U, apparently, and Armay, and a bunch of everybody will be performing. Anybody that's anybody in the Mando <laughs> pop music will be making a performance, whether it's accepting an award, getting angry for not winning an award, or singing a song on stage. And there will be tears, as usual. All right, so lots of good stuff to uh, look forward to tomorrow night. Uh, let's all make sure that we tune in. But uh, did I say that was the last story? Well, for the broadcast show, it was. Uh, but for you fine folks out there online listening to the podcast... Uh, we're going to be trying something out new this evening. A little bonus for the extra effort that you put in, you know, the clicking on links, the waiting for stuff to download, all that hard work. And we're going to be getting away from all this serious talk show type stuff and moving towards, you know, something a little bit more fun, little slice of life kind of thing. Stuff that maybe we overlook on this show t- sometimes. And to I think you might just call it stupid news in this case. Stupid news. We could call it stupid news. But today's a little bit more serious almost. I mean, it was a serious situation that emerged. Gavin, what happened this week? Life or death. Life or death. Not quite life stupid. Life or death with, by, by chopstick, apparently. <laughs> yes, this is this poor fast food delivery person from Kentucky Fried Chicken, I believe the company was, in New Taipei City. Well, they got an order. They took the order to the house. They arrived on time. Unfortunately, the two gentlemen in the abode had been drinking rather heavily and they decided that the delivery man arrived two hours late with the delivery 
and they decided that it was a really good idea to threaten them with chopsticks and keep them held hostage in their apartment for two hours in protest over the late delivery of their takeaway meal. Well, they got that a bit wrong because the meal did come on time. Then, sadly, one of the foolish drunk men rang the restaurant where the delivery person came from and explained to them what they were doing. He obviously didn't realise that they had their address on record. (laughs) The police turned up and rescued the poor hostage. The two gentlemen were led away in handcuffs and maybe not to be seen again for several years. And uh, they years. won't be having any fried chicken for yeah. yes, some time to come. But apparently police say they were drunk and they were great. <laughs> great line here in the local media. They said they suffered from mental disorders. Mm, those mental disorders <laughs> will get you. Quite, quite yeah, obviously. So uh, what I'm not 100% clear on is how do you hold up a guy with chopsticks? How, does, how, how, how do you get really threatening with chopsticks? Practice, Practice. Steve, practice. Oh, that's what it oh, takes. You have to remember, the pictures, the, the, stand, the pictures were appalling. The, they had the, the pictures on the front page of the newspapers showed the cowering food delivery man just cowering in a corner behind a bed. Yeah, it wouldn't have been easier just to, like, threaten and not pay or, I don't know. <laughs> there must have been something simpler than taking people hostage. They could have just... Gone to a different takeaway restaurant yeah. next time. <laughs> There's How a million of them. Just don't go there anymore. All right, I think uh, I think we have come up with the 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 name for this segment. Story time with Gavin. That was a nice story time with Gavin. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but we're going to be ending the show with that. It's over for today. Uh, you can leave your thoughts on this week's major stories on the Facebook page or on our blog. You'll also be able to find this program online at the ICRT website and on iTunes. If you are listening through iTunes, please take a second to rate and review the show. Let's us know what you're thinking and helps other people discover the program. Signing off from the ICRT studio, I'm Keith Menconi, joined by Gavin Phipps. Gavin? With no chopsticks. With no chopsticks. And Eric Smith. Uh, you don't have any chopsticks, do you? I'm not holding any hostages or you hostage any further. Thanks for having me, Keith. <laughs> Glad to have you uh, safe down in Kaohsiung. And thank all of you for listening. See you again next time on Taiwan This Week. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8.30 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.